Delaware County's premier podcast with your hosts, Dennis and Michelle. Welcome to This Week in the Bear Cave, everyone. Dennis Errol and Michelle Roselle here with you as usual. This week we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County. And it must well being a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. And In the Shadow Designs, the place where your custom creations are made for all occasions. Well, you, uh, you've you had a lot of time off lately, haven't you, Michelle? No, none. <laughs> Short answer. No, it was a rough week, getting through seven days. I know it sounds whiny, but um, you kind of start losing track of what day it is. And that's kind of where I'm at. You were hanging out at the jail all weekend, weren't you? I was. I was. Got a lot of peeps up there? Saturday was pretty good, actually. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. And people were in good moods, and it was fun to, to interact with them. Sunday was pretty quiet. Yeah, because we had a bunch of snow. Yeah. Did you get a lot of snow up there? No, not really. We got less snow up there than we did here in Woodland Park. Yeah, I think uh, I looked outside and I had at least four or five inches on top of the truck. Yeah, it was crazy. But nothing was sticking to the roads, which was okay. Yeah, well, till the next morning. Yeah, that was... It was awful. (laughs) That was a crazy drive. It was a crazy drive. (laughs) People just don't seem to slow down either. They just keep going like like it's business as usual. Oh, I know. I know. Haven't you seen those wreckers on the side of the road? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still Sprinter. It is Sprinter. Uh, because I can tell too, because uh, man, it is like, if you're a hay fever type of person, <laughs> now is the worst time of the year. Agreed. Because everything's covered in green. Yeah. To include me and my nose and my sinuses <laughs> and everything else. And the wind on top of that, just stirring it up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's just, uh, let's make that a fun topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of settled down today a little bit. So I don't know if we're over it or it's just uh Man, it's just been a, a weird spring so far. Yeah, I think we're just in a lull. Yeah, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> it didn't stop the aliens from landing in Florissant, That's though. True but, fact. Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there, but I think uh, I think a ship full of goobacks landed in, in Florissant. It's a weird, weird happenings. Yeah, we're going to talk to Trevor about that a little bit more, but uh, man, oh man. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go far to figure that one out. Nope. Anyway, uh, well, today we have uh, Mayor Hillary Labar coming in. She'll be joining us in the Bear Cave in our second segment. And we're going to bring her on probably every quarter. And we're going to call her segment The Mayor's Corner. So if you have anything that you want to talk to Mayor Labar about, go ahead and send us your questions at thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com or on our social media pages. But make sure they're civil. Don't be mean. Don't be rude. Just have something to say. Absolutely. Or you can follow ex-city council members out the door. <laughs> what an explosion that was, right? Yeah, it was. hate to bring it up again, but, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> anyway, we'll be talking to her a little bit and uh, find out what visions she has for Woodland Park, if any, and kind of give her a chance to wrap up her campaign. I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about that. It's like, it was so one-sided. It was, uh, it, it was, was, it was amazing. I think now the folks on there are going to have cohesiveness. So I think we're going to be able to see some good things come out of it. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, just to give everybody an idea what's coming up too, is that, uh, we're going to have Kim Lottig coming on the, our 50th anniversary. Yeah. 50th episode, I should say. Yeah. We have not been on for 50 years. No. Sometimes like today, it feels like it. <laughs> Today's a long one. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Kim's coming on along with, uh, we're going to have some comments and some suggestions from Lieutenant Renee Bunting from the Taylor County Sheriff's Office. She's been putting out a lot of information with the uh, fires and things like that. So she'll be coming on as well. And sometime in the middle of May, we're doing some cross promotions with Stories of the Midland. Another podcast here in Taylor County. So we'll have Tommy coming in and talk about that along with Trevor Phipps. But in the meantime, our friends from Axiom One, they returned after 15 days at the ISS. And uh, I think that was like five days longer than expected, but they uh, they couldn't splash down because of bad weather. And I don't know, maybe there were sharks in the water or something. I don't know. <laughs> Off the coast of Florida, but uh, 15 days for the all civilian crew at the ISS. So that's, that's it's quite an accomplishment. It was pretty cool. That is way cool. Yeah, I watched the splashdown. It was all flawless and, you know, beautiful seas and all that kind of stuff. That's but the, awesome. The funny thing about it is just only to turn around a couple of days later because last night or early this morning, whichever way you look at it, mission number four on the Dragon capsule went up to the ISS. And I think they're spending six months up there. Pretty long time. That with, is a long time. Yeah, with a Colorado native, actually. And I, I can't remember her name. <laughs> her name is Jessica Watkins. Yeah, her. She is from Lafayette, I think, Lafayette, Colorado. 
Yep, Lafayette is uh, just north of Denver. And she is, you were telling me she is the first African-American woman to be in the International Space Station. Correct, correct. They have had African-American astronauts, but never a woman uh, spending um, an exponential amount of time in the ISS. So this is a history, again, being made. Yeah, and it's uh, one of our own. Absolutely. Awesome for her. Okay, other than Axiom One, there's some uh, there's some kind of big stories that are hitting the news, and the biggest one so far that I've seen in the last couple of days is good old Elon Musk. He bought Twitter for forty four billion dollars. The big B billion. Oh my God, this should be interesting because uh, the speculation is is the Donald going to come back on now, and you know will he let him come back on? Well, the Donald kind of blew that out of the water because he says I'm just going to go on my own network. I'm not going to go back on Twitter, and he's got the truth network or so. I don't know what it is. Right. Right. But I'm sure that Mike, the pillow guy and, you know, <laughs> yeah. probably that idiot running for Senate, Mr. Uh, Ron Hanks is going to be on there. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They can have a conspiracy field day all day long. All day long. <laughs> oh my God. But uh, anyway, so everybody's freaking out and, and, uh, you know, Elon's going to change things and, you know, the whole Twitter versus in a big uproar. Right. Which I care like, I don't know, not at all. Me either. <laughs> I think the only time we use Twitter is if we post a uh, a podcast or something like that. That's about the only time I I ever see it or am on it. I don't use it at all. But uh, it's it's funny how the wokesters kind of turned around, you know, because they said, "Ah, oh, we're not going to sell and this and that." And it's like forty four billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I kind of changed their minds just a little bit after that happened. But yeah, uh, I did. I don't know. Elon's got his hands in everything, right? Yeah, he does. And, until he goes to Mars, and then yeah, what's going to happen then? Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm sure he's going to be one of the first first few missions that goes up there. Because he's you know he's already talked about it. Absolutely, gonna go to Mars. You got the money? I guess so. <laughs> well, you own everything. Exactly. The thing that's so funny is these billionaires. They're all in an uproar. It's like, well, wait a minute, Bezos, you own a publishing company. You know all these other guys. So I I don't I don't get where they're coming from. I don't know. Honestly. Anyway, good for you, Elon. You just uh, keep throwing them up there and keep that ISS in business. Now that uh, you got plenty of cash coming in from the Russians after they bailed. Right. Yeah, we're not going to go to the ISS. You can't work it without us at all. Yeah. How's that working for them now? Yeah. Two missions in, what, three weeks? Exactly. It's like a Walmart up there. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. One dragon capsule comes down. Two days later, another one's up there. You got uh, supply ships rolling in and out like as a docking station, which it is. It is. (laughs) Finding food and supplies. It's like, yeah, okay, well, here you go, Rogozin. That guy can suck it. (laughs) But uh, one public service announcement before we move on. Make sure that you vote for anyone, and I mean anyone but Ron Hanks or that stupid Wokester Senator Bennett. So when the time comes, just letting you know, vote for anybody but those two morons. Do your homework. Yeah, if you don't believe me, just listen to the Donald's podcast or whatever. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Interesting story came out again this week as well, and there is a book that's being written by two political correspondents by the name of Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns, and their book is called This Will Not Pass. Some of the excerpts that are coming out of this are kind of damaging to Obama. Absolutely. Who tested, I don't know, what. how many times is this she tested positive for COVID so far? I think this is two. At least two, right? Yeah. You notice how that any time that someone resigns from her staff, whether it's her communications chief or chief of staff, she comes down positive for COVID. She can avoid everything and work from home. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Her and the, the second dude. Yep. Whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows that guy. He's so famous. There's a bunch of damning little scripts in there about uh, her and her intelligence and s- stuff like that. But anyway, allegedly Jill Biden, she had reservations about Obama because of her attacks on Sniffy during the Democratic presidential primary debate. Remember that? They were just like flinging mud left and right. She called him an outright racist. Oh, yeah, that's right. She yeah, did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> well... Dr. Jill said, there are millions of people in the United States. Why do we choose the one who attacked Joe? Yeah, why do that? Mm-hmm. Selection committee, Democratic Party. Maybe this is uh, some more of that identity politics that's going around. I'm so sick of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, everything is identity politics and everybody's got an ax to grind and there's this and there's that. So let's pick the most underqualified person we can find to make her the vice president. Right. Right. Because if, uh, you know, Sniffy's getting up there, 
and he, you know, he can't remember what he had for breakfast. <laughs> At least he's still changing his own depends. So that's good. There you good. go. It is. <laughs> but there'll come a time. So what do we have to look forward to? We got good old Obama sitting in the second seat. That ought to scare the hell out of you. It does. It's terrifying. Yeah, if she's not sick or hanging out in California for a week or whatever. Right. <laughs> but uh, apparently, even Sniffy had some uh, some reservations about Obama because of her past relationship with Willie Brown. And if you know anything about uh, California politics, not that it matters here in Colorado, but he was a crooked former San Francisco mayor that uh, was dating Obama at the time and gave her some you know minor political positions while they were still you know, an item, so to speak. And uh, allegedly, Sniffy said, this is the kind of thing that should be off limits when selecting a running mate. Um, did he forget that he said that? Well, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think I answered my own question on that one. <laughs> I think so. But then she was selected anyway. But uh, the information that her team was doing, allegedly what happened is that she was making disparaging comments or that her team was, they were doing some dirty underhanded tricks to make the candidates who could have been vice president or were being considered as vice president look bad. And one of those people, I didn't know how you can make Stacey Abrams look any worse than she already is, <laughs> but uh, you know, somehow she was in the selection process now. Okay. So we got, we got Sniffy, right? Right. Who, you know, can't remember what he had for breakfast. And then you throw Stacey Abrams in there. Who's run for, uh, Right. <laughs> Nothing. I think she ran for mayor of Atlanta, got stopped, and now she's running for governor. I think the only experience she's had or on her resume is, you know, working for Black Lives Matter. Oh. Who are also going away in a big way. We'll talk about them at some some point coming up because they're they're in big trouble as well. Yep. But this is what this come down to. And it's all about identity politics. So now that Obama's staff is bailing on her, they're I mean, they're just tapping out. Yeah. Left and right. And you know, she reminds me of, she reminds me of JLo. <laughs> you know, she's that kind of a diva. That's what's been reported. Right. So congratulations, Obama. You are now the new Jennifer Lopez of the United States. <laughs> Viva la diva. Yeehaw! Oh God. How many more times can she test positive for COVID? It's still here, right? The pandemic's here forever. Yeah. She still has staff members. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking about politics and weird stuff. Good old Governor Yoga Pants. We haven't talked about him for a while. And he's running his con to get votes for his reelection. I don't know if you saw his big news conference on Monday. I did. He had all of his 10 people around him. Right. All the yes people. Well, during Yoga Pants' presser on Monday, he was announcing that Colorado taxpayers are getting back some rebates this coming August or September in that time frame. And if you file taxes for 2021, you'll be getting back somewhere around 400 bucks if you file single and you'll get back $800 if you file jointly. And him and his woke holes, they made it sound like this is their idea and this is what they came up with. Well, the only thing is, is that Tabor, which is the taxpayer's bill of rights, was voted in in 1992. So it's all his idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. 1992. So it's not exactly his doing. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. So if you have a surplus in, in tax monies, then that surplus is going to go back to the uh, to the people of Colorado. It happened in 2018, happened in 2020. And then now if you pay taxes in 2021, you're going to get that rebate. But he comes out and just makes it look like, oh, this is such a great idea. Look what we're doing for the, for the communities and look what we're doing for Colorado. So I'm just wondering if he talked to uh, Gavin Newsom from California. He's doing the, kind of the same thing, you know, Governor Dippity-Doo. It's an election year. My God. Well. <laughs> Again, do your homework. Yeah. Uh, we're not dummies <laughs> here. So anyway, my guess is that they indeed did take a page out of the uh, Wokester handbook. So I would just say. Grab your ladder and get on the pile, dummy. <laughs> when we come back, we'll be talking to Woodland Park Mayor Hillary Labar, so you don't want to miss that one. Stick around. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. 
I called Josh right away, and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for, because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. Back to the Bear Cave with Dennis and Michelle. And right now we have the newly, is it newly crowned? Probably not. Newly elected Mayor Hillary Labar. Welcome back to the Bear Cave. Thanks for having me, you guys. Good afternoon. So the one thing I got to say, and because uh, everybody was giving you grief about, uh, oh, she was just appointed by the council. She's not really the mayor, this and that. So the people of Woodland Park have spoken and boy, did they speak in a big way. Your opponent, he got the least amount of votes of anybody that I saw. I always thought that you were going to win, but I didn't think that you were going to win by over two to one margin. Yeah, m- neither did I. You you have no idea because it's not like we have polls or anything. There's no way to, to know how it's going to turn out. So I'm grateful that it turned out the way it did. I'm uh, grateful that the people who did vote for me appreciated the service I had conducted over the last four years. I think I have some new voters too, obviously. So kind of wrap up the whole campaign for me. I mean, was it because this is the first time you've run for mayor, obviously. And, yeah. and it's a uh, it was probably a little bit different because of all the craziness that was going on. And it wasn't coming from the candidates. It was coming from the candidate camps. Yeah, it was really interesting to. Um, well, one, my husband was home for the whole election cycle, which that never happens in the first place. But he got to see the craziness of it. But what was great was to be able to sit at the kitchen table in the morning and have our coffee and breakfast and you could turn on social media and you could just sit back and see all the stuff that was happening. And what was interesting is it was coming from a lot of people who I don't know. And it was coming from every angle. It was, you know, about me, about my opponent, about the different candidates. But I think this time it really showed that the voters took a minute to find out about us. And I thought it was really fascinating that they'd done background checks. And I I assume they did one on all of us. I don't know. But uh, and I think it came from part of it came from a previous council member. We had Jim Path where they weren't sure where he really lived or uh, could you live in an RV park? And I think that the voters who voted for him were upset about whether he had honestly lived there for the term that he said he did. Right. And so I think people were like, well, these guys aren't going to get one over on us this time. So they did their research and I never spoke about my opponent negatively or positively. There was never a, a need for it. I think the only discussion was on the show. Yeah. And it was about, you know, you addressed some some issues with him during the debates and, and yeah, I don't even call them a debate, but uh, the public forum, I guess. Right. Yeah. But on my own, I, I never mentioned him once. And I know that in some of his commentary, he mentioned me, but uh, ultimately it was people who did their own research and had their own opinions, formed it and put it out there. I think the thing that, that, uh, that pleases me the most, I guess, so to speak, was again, saying that uh, she was appointed and, you know, she really isn't the mayor, this and that kind of thing. Well, we can put that to bed now. Yeah. Well, in the appointment, the thing is, is I really was the acting mayor because I was mayor pro tem and council had appointed me as mayor pro tem um, during my first term in case something happened to the mayor. And it did happen. And so I took that position and I did it for a year and a half. It wasn't not the real mayor. <laughs> you know? Right. right. Know She's not the real it. mayor. <laughs> so, but I guess now that, you know, the voters put me in, in that position, it's, it's really real. 
Yeah, kind of kind of puts all that to to rest, yeah. and uh, doesn't take away from the fact that you were still the first female mayor, made history, and all that kind of stuff, which I think is cool. But uh, to me, the thing that was most shocking was that uh, everyone who was kind of and I, again, they're not really slates, but it became camps at some point. Everyone that was kind of on your team, I'll say, got elected. Yeah, and that was fantastic. What? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 and it wasn't um, an intentional slate. But it was, hey, all of us get along. We all like each other. We all know that we could work together. And I thought it was interesting, too, because a lot of people, you know, were really scared of the Karis slate and that's what they were calling it. But right. what's interesting is, you know, Frank Connors, his wife does attend Karis. He doesn't go to Karis and he doesn't have a big interaction influence with with Karis or the members there. But he knows who they are. They know who he is. And I wasn't concerned with his affiliation. I was concerned with character and professionalism. Right. And I think Frank's going to be fun. He'll be maybe cantankerous because that's his personality. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I think because he's motivated, he's, he's excited and wants to do a good job. And yeah. again, most of the council that's on now, I mean, are, are seasoned yeah. be, besides David and and, uh, and Frank. So I think uh, we're looking for good things to happen. I do too. I like that uh, David has some experience with the city. He gets the municipal law. He knows how councils operate. So he's going to have a good time and be a good addition. And Frank, I love that he thinks outside of the box. He's really excited. I think he'll he'll come down to earth after a couple of sessions and realizing it's not quite as exciting as he thinks it might be. Well, he was a Navy hard hat diver, so all that heliox he's been breathing for years has probably uh, got a few <laughs> all those bubbles in his head. <laughs> Well, he'll settle in. Yeah, this council will shake the bubbles out. So. <laughs> oh, no doubt. <laughs> so, no, it is, it's it's going to be a good time. And, and I think for the first time in a long time, well, first time in four years I've sat there, we have a group of people, for the most part, who are professional with each other, courteous with each other, and we have nothing against one another. We all like each other, you know, as human beings. We're not always going to agree. We're going to have some big differences probably coming up, but that's okay. And we, we anticipate that. and. It won't deteriorate into personal attacks and not getting business done, which is what I'm looking forward to is getting it done. And I think that's that's what people were just getting sick of is just, uh, you know, personal agendas and platforms and stuff like that. And like I said, you could see it in people's faces. It was just like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. Well, council, I mean, it should be boring and it should be quick. Yeah, I agree. So I think people will be pleasantly disappointed because it's going to be quick and boring. What are you looking forward to the most? Or is it too early in the game to, to really think about that? I think it's kind of too early. Yeah, you guys have had like what one meeting, right? Yeah, that's it. And really, I'm just to be straight out honest, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is could we get out by eight or nine o'clock? <laughs> right. That would be epic. I mean, that's how boring they're supposed to be. You know, there's, I know there's issues coming. I know there's, there's pressing issues that the community is really concerned about. I know there's one topic in particular. And if you want to discuss why I can't discuss that, I'm glad to. Yeah. And, and just so our listeners know, because they're going to ask me about that. It's like, I could be an asker about, uh, you know, the Karis PUD and all this other kind of stuff. Right. Well, first of all, we, we actually are smart enough to know that we're not going to discuss, first of all, anything that we don't have the full details to. And I don't want to compromise any kind of voting or any kind of legal actions or anything like that. So I get it. So that's for you there, little cubs in the, <laughs> in the bear cave. So yeah. don't ask me about it. Yeah. So I, with the PUD, it is a quasi-judicial topic. So basically it's kind of like handling it in the court of law and counsel will be the judge and we have to look at all the evidence presented before us and then make a decision from there from only what's presented to us at that time. So, you know, the news articles that are happening or people talking on Facebook, council should be avoiding those and not participating in any of it. I'm, we're getting some emails about it. We fully understand communities, how they feel their about opinion, it their, and their opinion. Yeah. We we're aware of it, um, but we can't interact with it at this time. And the best thing to do is when you see it on the planning commission agenda, attend those meetings. And then when you see it come to council, attend that council meeting and sign up for public speaking. There you go. You heard it from the mayor's corner first. I think the whole issue with never, never land, as we call it, is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an emotional issue. And, uh, I think that's, that's one of the things that at least the voters I talked to, they were, they were pretty nervous. They're like, oh, we're going to have, you know, this, this side versus that side. As it turns out, there there really was 
a large number of people who voted for for you and those fears were kind of unfounded. And that's what I thought was so interesting because like I said, there was a lot of outside influences that kind of came into that campaign and those voices have been silenced, which makes me really happy. Well, and I think anytime a community sees any particular group of people say that the town should be taken over, that scares yeah. everyone. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what, what religion it is, what form of government it is, who it is. I'm you're told that, you know, a group should take something over. I can't imagine any natural person reacting to that positively. Well, right. I know I wasn't, but, but no. anyway, <laughs> moving on from that guy. Uh, what are some of the issues that, uh, that are kind of in the forefront for the city right now? Yeah. Name one of 1000. I know anything really pressing that you think is uh, going to take priority. Obviously short-term housing is going to be coming up. Um, we're still working on the, the reservoir for water. They're still negotiating that um, to get it built and done. We've we've got the savings for it. We're prepared to do it. It's just a matter of negotiations, I think. Still, Frank's really a he's not a not a big fan. So that should be some interesting debates, which I think are going to be done in in uh, how do I put it in uh, without the drama. So yeah. that's a uh, that's what I'm looking forward to, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think it could be a dramatic topic because it's also emotional as well, and you know it's important to come to council and participate. I know that city, um, the staff, they're looking into the short-term housing issues right now with how other cities are dealing with it and uh, going to have a, a work session together. They're going to bring us our, their ideas and potential solutions. We'll go from there with council to see what we can do. I know that it's disturbing some neighborhoods in the community and uh, it's a tough topic because it boils down to property rights too. And how do you handle everyone's property rights, not equally? but equitably. My opinion on it, because I know people care to know what each council member thinks and what they may or may not do. I don't know what I'll do about any of it yet until everything is presented and we see what the potential solutions are. But initially my thought is, do you live in an HOA? If you do, how is it regulating the short-term rentals? Are they regulating the short-term rentals? If you don't live in an HOA, maybe consider starting one. Because personally, I think the community that is being affected by these short-term rentals is the best community to deal with it. Um, I think people who are next to it handle it quicker and better than city can with code enforcement. We're already down code enforcement officers. We have to do code enforcement for the entire city. So there are things that you can complain about like parking and noise and that already exists. But I think neighbors are more efficient and effective at controlling situations that they don't like versus code control. I think that's one of the issues that I've heard as well. So that's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting debate and see how you guys are going to crack that nut. Uh, well, you know, with housing, I understand that, you know, people think, well, the short-term rentals are causing people not to be able to live here. That's a really small portion of it. It's not having enough housing built and the type of housing that does get built. And uh, I know that, you know, neighborhoods get up in arms when, you know, the apartments that are built and the townhomes that are built are houses that, it provides housing for the police and the teachers and people who work at Safeway, the gas stations. We have a lot of homes being built that are 2,000, 3,000 3, square feet, but they're right. $800,000. Yeah, there are plenty of people that can afford it. And those are people that move here. But at the same time, the apartment buildings and townhomes that are getting built are, some are rented, some can be bought, and those are more attainable than the $800,000 homes. I know that people get upset in their neighborhoods knowing that those things are going to be built. But something you have to think about when you purchase a home is when there is an empty lot beside you or a large lot in front of you, that lot is owned by someone and it is typically already zoned for something. And so a good thing to do, not everybody does it, not everybody knows to do it. And then again, some people do know to do this is you ask your realtor, what are those lots zoned for? Or what type of zoning is my house in? So that you can anticipate the change when the change is going to come because it's going to come. All of Woodland Park, whatever lots are left vacant right now, they are owned by someone and they are zoned for something. And I think the hardest challenge council sometimes has is if a property owner is asking for rezone. That's the most unique issue I think we deal with because that's a time where we could say no for something, but we also have to weigh the benefit of it to the community. And oftentimes it's difficult to weigh the benefit to the whole versus how uh, few individuals feel in their heart about the issue. 
the best advice I can give to my counsel and the advice I use for myself is to follow the law. Each property owner's right, that is equal. One property owner's right doesn't outweigh the other. And so I know it's really hard when you have a beautiful home and you have a treed lot in front of you and you enjoy that view and then something's going to come in there and your view is going to be gone and you got to look at another building. And I, I understand the disappointment of that personally, but also I understand the, the legal right of that lot's owner as well. And they have the right to do it. And I don't have the right to stop it. Well, I, I think uh, I think it's a well-known fact that Woodland Park's only going to get so big. So so that's kind of the good right. news in, in all this, I suppose. You know, we're not going to be cutting into national forests. No. As much as I want to be the denier in that guy, it's like, it's going to happen. It's going to grow. And I guess you just have to kind of roll with the punches and just live and let live, right? Yep. Well, populations expand. Primarily, they expand. They don't typically decrease. The Springs is growing. It's one of the number one cities growing. You know, from where I live, it's 20 minutes into downtown, which is almost equivalent from the north end of the Springs into downtown. So Yeah, for me, I'm, you know, coming from a big city a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm used to making the hour and a half commute to go, I don't know, five miles kind of thing, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't foresee that happening up here. But I mean, I would like to see a younger demographic come in as well. Because we have a lot of older people, I don't want to say that we're a complete retirement community, but you know, there's a there's a large portion of our population that is over fifty, I guess. So it'd be nice to see some some of that that youth come into the city. Yeah, it would be in creating housing that's uh, I I don't like to use the word affordable, but attainable. Yeah. So creating housing that's attainable for a larger number of people is good for us, and the reason it's also good for us is is because it spreads the cost of taxation to everyone. You know, that's part of the issues like with Aspen or Glenwood or the mountain towns and stuff is you limit growth. And then all of us that are limited carry and take on further burden of taxation. And we've been fortunate up here within the city limits. The city hasn't raised like property tax, but the voters have put more sales tax on the ballots and those taxes have passed. And when districts, the fire district, the ambulance district, when those services need more income, they're going to put it back on the ballot and it'll either pass or it won't. But if it passes, we shoulder that burden. And the more residents we have, the more the burden is spread out rather than weighed on to all of us individually more and more and more. I think I asked you this question before, but uh, if you have any kind of vision for the city, what would it be in the next... uh well, I'd like to see, you know, I, I'm not opposed to growth, but I believe in responsible growth. I would like to see it really well thought out. I would like to see whatever vacant land we have left grown responsibly. You know, the market and capitalism will also dictate that. I'm, I'm not a fool to that and I'm not opposed to that. You know, there's there's like there's prime property in Woodland Station right in the center of town. I'd like to see that developed, but I'd like to see it developed intelligently, not haphazardly. I think that mixed use would be great for it because what better to be able to live in the center of your town and walk to everything. But at the same time, I'd like to see, you know, maybe more restaurants, maybe more commercial, but commercial is really difficult up here too, because we are not a destination. We are a drive through town and it's what would cater to the locals. And quite frankly, I, the locals aren't that excited to spend money. Yeah, that's so, true. I mean, we enjoy <laughs> true. we enjoy what we have here, but um, people come out and they enjoy things like they enjoy bingo and they enjoy karaoke, but it's never a wait at right, the door to right. get a table. So even though restaurants and things are popular here, I don't know how many of them we could actually maintain our local population. I think anything in Midland Station is an improvement. I mean, just yeah. Something. Yeah. Anything. I, I'm still holding out for the swan boats and the carousels myself, but uh, that's just me. <laughs> I know. Some bumper yeah. cars. Right. Or... <laughs> but, but just anything I think would, would be an improvement and not just like a parking lot or, you know, stuff like that. I, I you know, I like to see something creative as well. I mean, I'm looking forward to giving the, the new board, they're not that new, but they're fairly new. I'm, I'm looking forward to, I think they've got their feet under yeah. them by now yeah. and to see what kind of progress they make. I know they've been kind of, I don't want to say stalled out, but they've been working with another developer and they'd had hopes for movement with him. And I don't, I don't see that coming to fruition yet. So I think maybe they'll be ready to carry on now and this new council will be observant with them and working with them. And hopefully we come up with something positive, something that the entire community can get behind. 
council can only do so much, right? Right. Well, here's what's interesting about the downtown district, the the downtown corridor. The taxes are actually withheld by the DDA. So part of their obligation is revitalization and improvement of the downtown corridor. And I think for so long they've been hung up on just Woodland Station that they have forgotten to pay attention to the rest of the downtown corridor. So I'm hoping that this board will not just fixate on Woodland Station. And I think council can help with that in reminding them because the taxpayers a long time ago, the reason the DDA exists is because the taxpayers would not let the city incentivize growth with businesses through taxation. So that's the DDA's job. The taxes are withheld from the city and put into the accounts for the DDA to do those things, to be able to give TIFs to businesses and to be able to help improve the downtown. So I'm looking forward to that board paying better attention and doing more positive things. And I'm looking forward to this new council monitoring that and participating in it in a positive way. What you just said about the DDA becoming more involved and being reminded what their job is, basically, yeah. that's going to be huge because the downtown does look sad. It's, it's depressing to come through town and just like, what is this? Yeah. And another struggle, too, I think, is, you know, with the cleanliness of the downtown area and you drive through and it's full of dirt. And the difficulty of that, too, is Highway 24 is owned by CDOT not the city. And it's frustrating because it's right in the heart of the city. So you think, well, why isn't the city cleaning it up? Well, because our hands are tied. So we have to ask CDOT to participate. And CDOT you know, has I-70, I-25, all the major highways and all the major roads. And we're not number one on their priority list. So it's a sticky wicket either way you go. I mean, it's uh, see, and these are things that I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea who has responsibility for 24. You, you assume that it's, okay, it's going right down the middle of Woodland Park, so it must be Woodland Park. So so then you get right. the hate mail from, oh, the potholes aren't getting fixed, and I just broke this and broke yeah. that. When, you know, it's not, that's not the place to go. You have to go to CDOT to make sure all that stuff happens. Yeah, and it's frustrating, too, because if there is a pothole right on 24, you know, I would love to be able to say to the city manager, hey, can we get a crew out there and just get that filled? And the city would be like, yep, we're on it. And nope, can't I touch know, it. Right? So, <laughs> Isn't there a way, though, that you that the city can take over a portion of the highway? Because I think Cripple Creek did that because 67 goes right through the middle of Cripple Creek. Mm -hmm. And CDOT wasn't taking care of it. Cripple Creek has been taking care of it the entire time. Yeah, I'm sure that there's some intergovernmental agreements yeah. that can be had. And uh, I'm sure that they've probably done it in the past and I'm just not familiar with it. The, I say the crew, the city council, now they're a crew, they're a posse. So your posse is new. So, so it's kind of early in the game, I guess, to. It is too early in the game. There's, I mean, you have to wait till issues come up, basically. There's some big issues that we know are coming. It's frustrating because some of those issues I just can't talk about, but I know they're there. I think what's going to be cool is with having the new council members too, they're, they're innovative and they're excited and they'll, they'll have their issues that they want to present and see what we can accomplish with those. You know, for the most part, it's just the business of the city and business should be boring. I'm good with that. Because we have <laughs> a school good. board now that we can take all the attention off the city council from. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. They, they can take the attention. Yeah. That's uh, one issue that I wanted to bring up, and you and I have discussed this a little bit, uh, before with the the past election, I think it's time for the charter to have some kind of reform to be able to vet candidates in the future. I don't know what your feelings are on that. We are looking at residency requirements. How strict are they? How strict can they be? Um, we're also looking at giving the clerk more authority to check backgrounds for uh, candidates and being able to even ask to show a driver's license because right now she doesn't have actually a lot of authority to question us. There are some things we're looking at. We're also looking at the language in our oath of office, um, strengthening the language to not I have lived, but I currently reside in things like that, that we can change, that we can things that we can change through ordinance and through council without having to necessarily put it on a ballot as an issue. It's not more junk that the voters have to deal with just language wise. Knowing me and the not smart aleck kind of person I am, it, it stops the carpet baggers <laughs> from coming in and finding loopholes in order to, to put their foot in the door. Yeah, it's something we're going to try to tighten up, but we're also learning that, you know, the law isn't, it's interesting because it 
in one way, it protects your freedom to move about the country however you want and however you see fit. But at the same time, it doesn't really protect the um, constituents who live in a community with people who they can vote for. Because you want somebody who you can vote for who you know has a commitment to your to your city or your county. And the laws are pretty vague yeah, and loose are. with that. It, it actually... It feels more like it supports carpetbaggers than constituents right now. And I don't know how well we can tighten it up, but we are certainly looking at the language that we can use to tighten things up to make it safer and more convenient for the constituents and protect the constituents with who represents them. The last thing I would throw in there is that if you wear a cowboy hat, it has to fit and you also have to have cowboy boots and you can't wear hush puppies. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I did, my my picture does have a cowboy hat on my head, but I won't tell you what's on my feet so okay, since you can't enough. see them. All right, Mayor Hillary Labar, <laughs> thank you for coming in to the Bear Cave. And uh, we're looking forward to the Mayor's Corner. I guess the next time you'll be on will be sometime in July. And uh, we look forward to seeing what's uh, happening between now and then. Yeah, when I come back in July, we'll have some more topics that we can definitely discuss. Um, hopefully some issues will be off the table so we can openly discuss them. And uh, we'll have a better idea of where this council is headed. Totally agree. I appreciate you coming in. Okay, when we come back, it's story time with Michelle. And uh, I'm going to get my cup of milk ready right now. So uh, don't go away. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life. You can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. That's A-N-I-M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G dot com. back to this week in the bear cave with dennis and michelle and right now it's that time again every week it's story time with michelle so uh what do you got this week there uh madam historian so uh we're almost done with the month of april yay may's right around the corner and what's our first holiday celebration that we have in may um well, for me, it's I see dead people Memorial Day, maybe. That's the last part. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm I'm challenged. Obviously, today I am. Right, I think we think we both are. Not gonna lie. Okay. Um, so I'm talking about Cinco de Mayo. Oh, Cinco de Drunco. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. I guess it is kind of a unwritten holiday in the United States, right? It is. I mean, it's on the calendars. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it's a it's a good reason to drink tequila and eat tacos. Right. <laughs> but I think a big reason why it's um, noticed more here in Colorado, it is noticed more in states that have a high population of Hispanics. Right. Because it is part of their history. Right. So let's talk about the real story behind the Cinco de Mayo. Okay, um, let's. Okay. So Cinco de Mayo is not. The Mexican Independence Day, a popular false belief. See, and I thought that's what it was. It is not. <laughs> oh, schooled me. See, instead, it commemorates a single battle. In 1861, Benito Juarez uh, was elected president of Mexico. At the time, the country was in financial ruin after years of internal strife, and the new president was forced to default on debt payments to European governments. Hmm. Yeah, guess who's coming in? In response... <laughs> France, Britain, and Spain sent naval forces to Veracruz, Mexico, demanding repayment of their funds, and Britain and Spain negotiated with Mexico and withdrew their forces. Who's that leave? Vladimir Putin? Almost. <laughs> France, however, 
ruled by Napoleon III, decided to use the opportunity to carve an empire out of Mexican territory. Late in 1861, a well-armed French fleet stormed Veracruz, landing a large force of troops and driving President Juarez and his government into retreat. Though certain that success would come swiftly, 6,000 French troops under General Charles Luttrell set out to attack Pueblo de los Angeles. I'm not good at Spanish, apparently. Is that correct, Angeles? Pueblo de los Angeles? Yes, that makes sense. A small town in east-central Mexico, from his new headquarters in the north, Juarez rounded up a ragtag force of 2,000 loyal men, many of them either indigenous Mexicans or of mixed ancestry, and sent them to Puebla. The vastly outnumbered and poorly supplied Mexicans led the Texas-born General Ignacio Zargoza, fortified the town, and prepared for a French assault on May 5, 1862. Lawrence gathered his army, supported by heavily artillery, for the city of Puebla and led an assault. It's not going to go well. No, it sounds like uh, modern-day politics here. Right, it does. <laughs> We're talking 1800s. <laughs> wow. Maybe he should have read that story before he went to uh, Ukraine. Yep, exactly. So, the battle lasted from daybreak to early evening, and when the French finally retreated, they had lost nearly 500 soldiers. Fewer than 100 Mexicans had been killed in the clash. Although not a major strategic win in the overall war against the French, Zaragoza's success at the Battle of Puebla on May 5th represented a great symbolic victory for the Mexican government and bolstered the resistance movement. In 1867, thanks in part to the military support and political pressures from the United States, which was finally in a position to aid its besieged neighbor, after the end of the Civil War, France finally withdrew. I wonder if they sent them uh, anti-tank missiles. Maybe. Wow. See, yeah, see, this whole time I thought it was uh, Mexican Independence Day, but... Uh, no, and actually, the Mexican Independence Day happened 50 years earlier. It did? Yes. How come we're not drinking on that day? I know, right? <laughs> Should be more drinking holidays. <laughs> I think we got enough. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's the story behind Cinco de Mayo. Correct. Because so, uh, our next episode is going to be after Cinco de Mayo. Yes, it is. <laughs> Just remember, it is not Mexican Independence Day. It's all about the battle in Puebla. That's it. That's it. Well, damn. So get your margaritas on. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. Right. (laughs) Do you do anything special for Cinco de Mayo? Not really. I will have a margarita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't drink, so I'll watch you have a margarita. Have some tacos. Yeah, I can do that. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll go down to uh, one of my favorite Mexican restaurants and do it right. Absolutely. Interesting story. Well, thank you. You've surprised me some days. I know. I thought it was going to be something Cripple Creek-ish. Nope, not today. Okay. (laughs) Well, speaking of which, anything new happening in Cripple Creek? I do know when the donkeys are being released now. Yes. May 15th, 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, They'll be down in their pasture. They'll have the Two Mile High Club up there. They'll have the Victorian Society. Big release this year. Um, It's going to be fun. Speaking of Two Mile High Club, we have Ellen, I don't know. Moore. Ellen Moore. She's coming in the third week of May, I think. Yes. Or or second week of May. I can't remember. 25th. That's the last week of May. That is the last week of May. Good thing I got my dates straight. I know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But yeah, she's coming in. I've I've got a lot of questions for her because uh, people see the donkeys roaming around. They think it's all all cute. But I was kind of reading into that history a little bit. And uh, those donkeys were a big, big deal in the mines, and they never saw the light of day. Absolutely correct. What do you think the ASPCA would say about that these days? Well, thanks to Teddy Roosevelt, he fixed that situation. That's right. I forgot that part. So see, and Ellen, when she comes on, she's going to give us all the history, all the background, and get us enlightened on the whole donkey situation. That's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, with that being said, coming up next is our field producer, Trevor Phipps, News of the Word, and find out who gets tossed on the bear pile this week. So don't go away. Do you have an upcoming special event and don't know what to do? In the Shadow Designs can create one-of-a-kind pieces for you. Located in the heart of Woodland Park, Colorado, In the Shadow Designs specializes in beautiful centerpieces, wreaths, and one-of-a-kind creations for your home or business. 
Whether it's a baby shower, celebration of life, anniversary, or corporate event, let In the Shadow Designs meet your needs. So contact In the Shadow Designs today on their Facebook page or give them a call at 818-400-1456. Let In the Shadow Designs do the work for you so you don't have to. the bear cave on spotify anchored by spotify and Podbean, and on the bear cave hotline right now is our phil producer and man about town trevor phipps trevor how are you today man i'm good how are you uh kind of a different week than it was last week there was a ton of stuff to talk about last week but this week it's uh slowed down a little bit but uh i was uh talking to our guest today i i'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the aliens have landed in Florissant. Yeah, there's something going on there. Man, man what is, it's so much weird stuff going on. It's, it seems like every week something comes up. And uh, uh, we're talking about Don Angel. And this is something that happened, I guess, earlier in April. Kind of tell me what's going on with that whole, the whole fire department out there seems like it's, it's just a bizarre scenario. Yeah, well, basically, Don Angel was arrested for uh, going to the house of the uh, fire chief, Mike Bailey in Florissant. And um, he was suspended, so he went to his house to retrieve the vehicle because they didn't want him driving the vehicle while he was suspended. And then when that happened, he, I guess he was using racial slurs and he grabbed the fire chief's wrist and then tried to grab at him again when he broke away. And so he was arrested like 10 days later on all sorts of charges, including child abuse. And it kind of stems from the... There's been a lot of turmoil in the Florissant Fire Department yeah, ever since there was some problem between the chief and a board member. And then the chief asked that the board member either resign or apologize over some comment he made on social media. And then it kind of spiraled into that board member resigning, other board members resigning, and then the chief was placed on suspension. And then they appointed more board members, including <laughs> in jail. Are there that many people in Florissant? Yeah, I guess. I don't <laughs> I don't know where they're all coming from. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, the, the whole issue between the chief and the board was, you know, which doctor you select to cover EMS and things like that, right? Yeah, mainly it all started, I guess, when Don Angel got the job as the emergency management director. He didn't like the current emergency medical director they had, which I think his name was Dr. Jeremy DeWall. So he fired DeWall and then hired a new one. And then the county was like, well, why did you fire him? Because he didn't really have a reason. So he ended up hiring back DeWall and then basically letting each individual emergency entity, like each fire department and ambulance station, choose who they wanted to use as their medical director. So there's two in the county, and Angel, I guess, wanted Florissant to use the new one that he had hired, and the fire chief, who's also new himself, he didn't want he didn't want to change anything because he didn't think there was anything wrong with Dr. Duall. So there was, I guess, tension started there, and the, I think the board was kind of on Angel's side. So I think that's where it all kind of started. Okay. My head hurts already. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is like, okay, you're the emergency management guys. Like, how do you tell a city or, or a, a community who they can use and who they can't use? I would think that the, the pre people on the ground, so to speak, the resource itself, which would be Chief Bailey, has the right to call you know, whoever he wants to call. I mean, who cares? Yeah. Oh, brother. It's all so stupid. But just for the record, too, just uh, in case people didn't know, Chief Bailey is an African-American. And uh, I looked into his background when he first came on board, and it's like, this guy has got some serious credentials coming from, uh, I think he came from the L.A. area. So I'm still trying to figure out why he was uh, put on suspension. I, I still don't have a firm understanding. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, I'm not real sure. I think the only thing that was really said was that the remaining board member after they all quit, 
wanted to suspend him until they could have an election to have board members to vote on what they wanted to do with him, I guess. Yeah, they shouldn't have suspended him in the first place. That doesn't, that makes no sense at all, but uh, eh, whatever. The other thing that doesn't make sense are some of the things that are happening with the school board right now. I think we had someone resign, right? Yeah, uh, board member Gary Brevetto tended his resignation like a little over a week ago. Well, he said there was a hostile working environment and this and that, but uh, I uh, I got to think that, and this is just me, I'm just assuming stuff that, uh, you know, maybe it was because of the lawsuits that are being filed by everybody in the county? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really <laughs> sure, but that could be the case. But doesn't it seem a little bit odd that you have a guy who just got elected on the board last November and he's not even barely into his tenure yet and he throws in the towel? Yeah. And I actually, I kind of, I personally think it kind of makes that whole conservative faction of the new board members look a little on the weak side. I'm sure I'm not going to have a lot of fans by saying that, but. Hey, it's okay. You're on this show, so you don't have any fans anyway. Right. (laughs) Well, they ran on this campaign where they wanted all this change, and then one of their board members already is resigning and quitting, blaming on a hostile environment and a certain group of people that are making it stressful. And I mean, they kind of should have known all this when they came in with the planet they had running the campaign that they ran. (laughs) Right. I don't know how they couldn't have seen opposition to this. So I I personally kind of think that he thought it was going to be, he was doing some noble thing, like saving the school system from something. (laughs) And then most people didn't see it that way. Yeah. Didn't like it. But that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> well, when when you have board members making disparaging comments about the unions and teachers, and eh, it's just a yeah. Well, he was the one too. He got blamed for going into classes and making statements about kids from different countries, um, kids with ADD, kids with autism. Yeah, there were multiple parents and students actually that stood up at school board meetings and spoke against some of the stuff he said. And the school board meeting right before he tendered his resignation, there is actually a family that stood up and spoke and said that they would be removing their kids at the end of this year from Woodland Park School District, basically saying that he was the reason and that did want to take the chance that he would go in there and say anything to their students. Nothing like trouble in paradise. Anyway, kind of moving on from that, local sports going on right now. Uh, I think our Lady Panthers finally lost to their rivals last week, right? Yeah, they lost a big one, but it was pretty close. It was three to one, um, and it was the only league game they've lost and the second game of the season that they've lost. So they're still sitting pretty good. I still owe them a uh, the presence of the Bear Cave to come to the, to the game, so... Uh, there's not that many games left, but uh, if they keep going the way they are, even with one loss, they should be in a playoff, right? Or do yeah, they, so. Do they have playoffs for girls' soccer? I guess they have to, right? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but it looks like, I mean, they're sitting pretty good to be at least second in their league right now. They've got, actually, they only have three games left. They Saturday, which is their last home game at 2 p.m. on April 30th, and then their last game is... May 3rd, Tuesday, 4 p.m. Okay, so Woodland Park, everybody Saturday, we expect to see you in the stands cheering for the ladies. And uh, I'll, I'll be there for sure. How about uh, boys baseball? Anything uh, to report there? Anything, any kind of bright spots happening? Or are they still just kind of uh, trying to figure things out? Oh, no, they're still kind of been struggling this year. Um, they've still only won one game for the season. Um, I've tried to make a couple home games. I think they've had some games rescheduled and canceled, but they're 0-4 in league play and 1-10 overall right now. Well, maybe there's hope. And they have a few more games. They actually play until mid-May. Their last game is at home on May 17th. So they've actually, they have a little bit more in their season to play. Well, that's good. So, uh, you know, like I say, they, you got a team that's, that's brand new that's uh, in the league. I don't want to make excuses for them, but uh, yeah, it is what it is, and we're going to support them come hell or high water as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah, totally. So uh, just a reminder for our listeners, too, uh, we're doing a cross-promotion with uh, Stories of the Midland, and you can hear those episodes on, when do you guys hear those, on Fridays? Yeah, every Friday, we have a new episode that comes out. Okay, so check that out, because uh, come mid-May, uh, Tommy and Trevor are going to be on, and we're going to do a little bit of cross-promotion on that, uh, on that podcast, so check them out. All right, Trevor. Well, if uh, nothing else is going on, then uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. You guys have a good day. Okay, Trevor. Thanks a bunch. All right. That was our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps. And uh, man, you know, 
again, all this weirdness going on in Florissant. I'm blaming the aliens. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's it's all because of Elon Musk because he bought Twitter. Right. I mean, people are opening up veins because of that. It's <laughs> crazy. I mean, I hate, hate to keep going back to it, but it's uh, to me, it's kind of funny. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Funny and weird. But anyway, speaking of weird. Yep, here it is. It's time for News of the Weird. All right, this one should be probably labeled News of Stupidity. I don't I don't know. But uh, this week, the headline reads, Anti-Social Media. The Federal Aviation Administration has revoked Trevor Jacobs' pilot license, the New York Times reported on April 20th, after concluding that Jacob purposely abandoned a plane he was flying and filmed it crashing into Los Padres National Forest in California. Of course, it has to happen in California. And this all happened while he parachuted to the ground. Jacob then posted the 13-minute video on YouTube calling it, I crashed my plane. Well, that's original. (laughs) The FAA said Jacob acted in a careless or reckless manner so as to endanger the life or property of another. Now, you, you think? Right. What goes through your brain? Uh, Oh, boy. Anyway, in the video, the propeller can be seen as it stops spinning, and Jacob opens the door and jumps out with a parachute and a selfie stick. (laughs) Well, at least he was prepared. (laughs) I'm I'm actually reading this. (laughs) This actually happened. The agency also noted that Jacob did not contact air traffic control, try to restart the engine, or look for a safe place to make an emergency landing. But he did get 1.9 million views. Okay, here I am. (laughs) You got nothing, I know, right? I know. I'm like, what? (laughs) Do you need that much validation? (laughs) You you should see Michelle's face. She looks like a broken doll when eyeballs close and there's like things spinning around her head. Hey, I got a great idea. Let's just go take a plane ride today, but I got a better idea. Let's watch it crash into the ground. I mean, you got nothing. You got no excuse. You got nothing other than you're just a selfish jackass that must have been a bad childhood of some kind. Must have been. Oh, my God. Well, if there's anybody who should be a star in this next segment, it's good old Trevor. Because it is time for the bear pile. Each week, we nominate the top subject, events, and or people who should be tossed on the pile and eaten by the bears. The person, place, or thing being thrown onto the bear pile to be eaten by the bears this week is... Our favorite guy, the boss of Never Neverland, King Andy, for reneging on his deal with Woodland Park and trying to saddle the people of Teller County with the tax bill for his new fantasy barracks. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, I got news for you. Maybe I shouldn't say uh, he's reneged just yet until it all comes out in the open, but uh, nonetheless, Andy, this week, you're the king of the pile. The nominations this week are number one, you guessed it, Trevor Jacobs for intentionally crashing a perfectly good airplane so someone would like you on YouTube. Trevor, you're a stupid douchebag. Agreed. <laughs> I can't even, I can't be nice about that. You're just a douchebag. Number two, the Democratic Party and the Vice President Selection Committee for picking a hyena as a vice president for the sake of identity politics. How's that working for you? <laughs> I got COVID. Because <laughs> somebody just quit again. Oh, man. We're so screwed. And number three, Governor Yoga Pants for taking credit for Tabor, something that happened over 20 years ago. I'm guessing that he was thinking the unwoke would not find out about it and wouldn't call him out on it. But, uh, yeah, wrong again there, sweet cheeks. Well, that's a wrap for us again this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, Animus Wellbeing, and In the Shadow Designs. Special thanks to our guest, Hillary Labar, for coming into the Bear Cave, and of course to our field producer and man about town, Trevor Phipps. If you have an event coming up or you just want to become a sponsor of the show, hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page with the same name. You can also access the show through Spotify, Podbean, Anchor by Spotify, and soon, like we said, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. And your hate mail can be sent to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. 
Our guest next week is going to be Governor Yoga Pants. We want to find out if he's taking credit for Elon Musk buying Twitter. That's a good one. <laughs> it probably is. King Andy of Never Neverland, of course, was supposed to come in, but we're told that he is still busy itemizing his tax return. Of course, you know, that could take a while with all those LLCs floating around Woodland Park. Ouch. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you again next week, everyone. Be well, and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. 